Now, our second storyteller for the evening is a return storyteller. She has been on this stage once before, so she may be a familiar face to some of you. Now, as for her family tradition, she said, we open presents one at a time on Christmas Eve, and we start with the youngest first. The second youngest can't go until the baby of the family is finished. It's really fun now because my brother married into a family of young girls. So our youngest last year is his 10-year-old stepdaughter, and this year it will be my infant niece. It's so much more fun with kids. Please welcome to the stage Christy Meyer. I'm slightly taller. How about that? <laughs> Not really. Hello, everyone. Hey. Well, my story starts when I was a very little girl. Uh, when the, from the time I was born until I was about 12 years old, I grew up on a farm that was filled with lots of ladies, about 100 to be exact. They had names like Cecilia and Heather, and one was called Killer. We had a dairy farm, and, <laughs> and these ladies lived in our front yard, and we could watch them all day, and they ran our lives. You know, we, um, we would get up early in the morning to make sure they had, we milked them, and we'd, when we'd come home from school, we'd have just an hour or two, and then we'd milk them again, and it didn't matter what was happening in our lives, rain, sleet, snow, cousin Brenda's wedding, we were going to milk those cows on time every day and um, a typical day would start really with me uh, getting up really early my brothers would say it's not a typical day it would be like a unusual day I have three brothers two who are older and work much harder than me according to them <laughs> one who is younger and also thinks he works a lot harder than I do so apparently I'm the laziest of the bunch and, uh, but, you know, for me, what I remember at that time was a typical day was me coming into the parlor really early in the morning, like 6, 6.30. Uh, my job was to feed calves, which is the best job, uh, because you get to name all the calves. My favorite was named Joey, because uh, he, you know, he was really cute, and that reminded me of a boy I had a crush on for years and years. And I would walk into the parlor, you know, my brothers would be managing all the cows. We always had 12 milking at a time, and you had to get them in from the lot and, and get them all up there, and some weren't happy and some were. And so they were doing all that. I'd walk into things like, must be nice to sleep in. Boy, I remember getting up at 6.30 when I was never that young. And anyway, so I'd get in there, and I'd grab my big bottles, and I'd fill them up. Uh, with, the, with the milk that was coming straight from the cows, and then I'd go out and I'd feed the calves. So that would be most of my mornings. We'd all go to school, dad would finish up the work, we'd get home at night, screw around a little bit, and then go back out and, and feed the cows again. Well, milk the cows. <laughs> so this was our lives for, I guess, the first 12 years of my life, the first 20 years of my parents' marriage. And um, sometime around... I think my dad and I talked, I think it was around 1986, 87. Um, we, my parents decided to sell the herd. 
So in the 80s, if you know your farming business at all, there was a big surplus of milk in the dairy industry, and it was really hurting family farms. They weren't able to get the paychecks that they were used to. So my parents made the decision to go ahead and take the government buyout that was being offered um, to them and many other farmers in the area, uh, which meant that your herd would be sold for slaughter and you couldn't milk cows again for five years. Yeah. So it was a big change for us. Um, the day that they took the cows, uh, a big double-decker semi-tractor trailer truck came down the road. You've probably seen these on the highways with animals in them. They're, they look terrible, especially when it's cold and rainy outside. Um, and they came and loaded all the, the cows into the trailer. Um, and I remember from that night, all I really remember was that my little brother and I were, were building a Lego set, you know? Uh, you didn't have computer Lego sets back then, as Stephanie pointed out, you know, no internet. Um, but we had gotten some sort of plan and we were building a farm. And the big semi-tractor trailer truck, as my dad said, that dummy backed it up right into our power line. So the power went out. It was New Year's Eve, it was cold. My mom took that opportunity. She was, you know, just very sad watching this happen and watching the cows get loaded up. And so she took that opportunity to take us to my grandpa's. Um, and really, you know, being a 12-year-old, I don't really remember the rest of that night. I, I assume that we went to grandpa's. We probably had cookies and ice cream as he told us stories to distract us from what was going on down at the farm. And, and then he probably told us stories about goblins, is my guess. <laughs> He used storytelling to protect the children that came into the area. He lived on the river, and yeah, there was something that was always coming out of the river to get us, and they were really good stories. Uh, <laughs> I get distracted. Anyway, after that, uh, that day, you know, things started to change on the farm for me. My one big job was feeding calves, uh, <laughs> and that was my big farm job. No one ever let me touch a tractor because there were plenty of older people to do that who were trusted, <laughs> and I was very young, so it just never made any sense. Um, and I had lots of work, work to do to help my mom, right? So I had housework, laundry, uh, cooking. One, a big job I had was going to make sure all the men came in for dinner, you know? Christy, Christy, it's going on the table. It's time. Go get them. <laughs> so I would, you know, go outside, and actually I would just go out the back door and yell, Hey! <laughs> Dinner! <laughs> Dinner's ready! And then I'd have to go find Eddie, who, like my other brothers, always had this affinity for farm work that eluded me, you know? Um, you, if I couldn't find him, which was almost all the time, he was usually sitting in a tractor pretending to drive it. Or, you know how kids are when they like choose their occupation at such a young age, like they know what they're meant to do? He would be driving a tractor. One time I saw him on a, um, on a planter and I yelled, it's dinner time, get in here! And he said, I'm planting beans! So I get the boys in for dinner all the time. That's my job, make sure they all come in from the farm. And, but then as we get older, you know, they have more and more jobs on the farm and they go more deep into it, right? And I get further away from it, you know? We had more downtime when the cows were gone. All of a sudden we had time to be people and not just 
dairy farmers. You know, it, our whole lives didn't revolve around them anymore. My dad's life revolved around the steers. My life revolved around school and my friends and then eventually band and scholar bowl. <laughs> my brother's lives were, you know, hunting cars, trying to score beer, scoring the beer. <laughs> Sorry, my brothers were way more exciting with, than me. <laughs> so their, their stories are funnier. Um, <laughs> just are. But, you know, they were doing more things out of the farm. And, and I was doing things like, uh, you know, learning how to play the trumpet, being really sad because I had to play the baritone because my embouchure wasn't right for trumpet. And um, then... <laughs> In the eighth grade, debating, you know, Emily Dixon, Dickinson versus Elizabeth Barrett Browning with my friend who is now an English professor. You know, like, who had the better poems? What really spoke to me? <laughs> and my brothers were, you know, my, my, my little brother before he was 15, he raised his own steers. My dad just said, these are your steers. You will raise them. You do a good job. You sell them. I'm learning, you know, Bridge Over the River Kwai is the best answer for books about war and Scholar Bowl. <laughs> They're very different things. And, you know, it's, uh, it's funny, but, like, sometimes I'm ashamed at how different I am from my family. I'll go to hang out with them, and we'll have these conversations where, you know, and, and they all love me. I know that, and they include me. <laughs> but then they say things like, ask Chrissy what she does for a living. <laughs> And I say, I work with DNA. <laughs> and then they go, what's that good for? <laughs> it's an honest question. <laughs> They're not being mean. So they say stuff like, I say, you know, okay, so let's say you have a tumor and then not a tumor. And then we can compare what happens in both of the tumors. And then they can make drugs for that. And they go, oh, that is, that's important. So they, they, they get it eventually. Anyway, so when I get to feeling this way, I've realized, I actually realized this last weekend, I went home, my brothers have actually turned the farm into a lot of stuff. One of the biggest things is they have a fish farm and they do regular fish hauls. You know, they pull fish out of the ponds, they sell them live, and they, they go off to be in the, the, the bigger Chinatown grocery stores that exist in the world, in the country. And I was home, and, and just like I do when it gets like this, I, uh, I sit around and talk with my mom. She just fills me in on family, the town, you know, how uh, the people in town think that weird stuff goes to the farm all the time now because they have fish. And I said, oh, you guys are weird? And she said, apparently we are. <laughs> and then she said, oh, it's time for dinner. Uh, why don't you go get the boys? And so I go get them and bring them in, and we all sit down and eat. Well, thank you.